Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about that. We're on tour in uh, Colorado today, up about a mile high, a slight skip of snow on the ground, but we will be meeting around noon in Greeley. The actual uh, talks begin around 3 o'clock, so you can come there a little bit early. And uh, we will be talking about the kingdom and talking about uh, what people can do to uh, help protect themselves and others. It's very important that you come thinking about others and not merely about yourself. You just simply won't fit into the kingdom without the character of Christ. The character of Christ is to think about others, to come to save others, to come to serve, not just to be served. So that's a character that is what made this country a great nation. It isn't the Constitution. It isn't uh, the government that makes this nation great. It's the spirit of the individual to actually care about one another. In uh, a book I'm writing, uh, Pilgrims and Strangers, we point out very clearly that the Pilgrims were absolutely a failure. Uh, Some of the other early colonies were absolutely a failure until they realized that individuals had to have the right to choose. They had to have the right to choose to help one another. And once they had that right to choose, they began to prosper. They were no longer hungry. They were no longer starving and dying. Half the pilgrims were dead the first year, partially because of the hardships, but also because of the fact that they had failed to realize the very kingdom principle of individual responsibility of helping one another and being responsible for yourself without you having the right to choose over what is you, yours, and uh, your family's, you will become a weak society. You will become a subject society. You will become merchandise if you are covetous of your neighbor's goods through a, a social scheme that can force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That is anti-Christ. That is anti-God. That is in opposition to the ways of God from the beginning. It is choice that you must have. In order for you to have that choice, you must give that choice to others. You cannot rely on men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Christ said it was not to be so with you. But it has become that way with thousands upon thousands of church denominations. They tell you you're saved because you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in what Jesus says, then you don't believe in Jesus. You don't believe he's really God if you don't do what he says. You don't even try to do what he says. You don't even know what he has said. In a room full of preachers, I ask, what are the weightier matters according to Christ? None could answer. None could say. These are men who are supposed to be the students and teachers of the gospel. And they don't even know what Jesus said. Shame. Shame. We need to know what he says, and we need to be striving to do it, because that's what he said. We need to be keeping the law, not the law of Moses. Those were statutes telling you how to keep the law of God. And most of the people who read them don't have a clue of what they're really saying there and what they really mean. But the laws of God is the Ten Commandments. And and most people don't understand that either. But clearly, he said, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, and it is not permitted to do that simply because you do it through men who exercise authority, calling themselves the government. You made them your government, yes, and you may owe them. You may be a surety for debt. You may be merchandise and sold into bondage uh, to international monetary funds or whatever. 
But if you want salvation from that, there is no other solution than Christ. And if you're seeking Christ, then you must be seeking to do what he says. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. You will stop coveting your neighbor's goods. You will start coming together in faith, hope, and charity, loving one another as he loved you, serving one another as he came to serve. And stop seeking to elect benefactors who can exercise authority and start electing on a local basis men who are come to serve. So that's what we want to see on this tour is men who come to serve, not be served, not be held up on a pedestal, not to be thought of as great, but come to serve their fellow man because they are in love with service and they are in love with Christ. If you are in love with Christ, you are in love with service because Christ came to serve. You cannot have it. You cannot not want to serve and tell me you love Christ. This doesn't make any sense. It's like saying, I love ice cream, but I don't like the cold. <laughs> then you don't really want ice cream. You just want cream. <laughs> so if you love Christ, you have to love service of others. And so now is the opportunity to come to these gatherings, and I hope you're doing it other places and not just with HHC, His Holy Church. His Holy Church is just a phrase. It represents the idea of a church that called out, group of people who come to be separate and to be his to be Christ Christ's holy church and wherever they are whatever name you want to put on you won't know them by their name or their name tag or by their outfit you will know them by their fruits by what they're doing remember God said, I come to take the kingdom away from you, referring to the Pharisees who had established systems like you have today in the world to take care of their needy. And Jesus said that that system makes the word of God to none effect. That system is a shame. That sh system is a lie. And yet that's what we've created again. And we've created that with the help of these ministers who have tickled your ears and tried to tell you that, oh, you're okay, <laughs> you're, you're saved, and you're not saved. You're deluded. You're under a strong delusion. Now, there may be some of you out there who are saved, but don't kid yourself. If you're not doing what Christ said, you have to ask, why aren't you doing what Christ said if you believe in Christ? Maybe you don't really know Christ. Maybe you only know about a Christ that has been drawn for you by others. Maybe we have a guest here. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to say something. I, I suggested that he could uh, uh, be on uh, the program. It's my host, uh, Dan Downing, here in the high countries of Colorado. And... Uh, He's graciously uh, accepted us in our house, and he's been working very hard at having this meeting in uh, Greeley uh, and setting up other meetings along the way in Denver, working with uh, the other contact minister in Denver and also coordinating with other people across the country to make this tour possible. And so uh, I'm going to hand the phone to him or lay it down in front of him so that he can speak. I've got it on speakerphone, so... And I, so that I can keep an eye and make sure I'm not disconnected like I was earlier. <laughs> but anyway, here's Dan. Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, in the same vein, uh, and it's about repentance. And when we're going along the course we're on, and we realize the things that Brother Gregory says, he points things out to us. And when we realize that, hey, I did something wrong, I've got to, you know, not continue the same. And so it's, uh, required of us to repent and what does repent mean no, saying oh I'm sorry I, especially like if I got caught doing something I repent I'm sorry now I'll just keep going along and maybe I won't do that again <clears throat> not really because repentance means to turn from and how do we turn from just say oh Lord help me not to do that again it actually is like steering a boat when, when a ship is out on the water uh there's a hand on a tiller, and it's a matter 
repentance is a matter of getting your hand on that tiller and starting to push on it or pull on it to change the direction of your travel. And sometimes, like on large ships, it takes a long time to get that turned because we need to go 180 to what we were doing that required the repentance. So we get our hand on that tiller and start to turn that. It's not an easy process because we're we're in a group. We think we're doing the right thing. We're In fact, we convince ourselves that we're doing the right thing. But in all circumstances, that's not the case. Uh, we deceive ourselves a lot. And we all do that. I do that myself a lot. And, and so it's required of me then to put my hand on that tiller and turn my direction away from that, that behavior, that frame of mind, whatever it is, and to repent, in other words, to turn my direction follow that compass and turn my direction 180 degrees. And again, sometimes it takes a long time. I grew up in the 50s, and back in the 50s, people congregated together, even on their front porches, even on the weekends in their backyards. They barbecued. They they had a lot of relationship with each other, uh, especially in small towns. But even in larger, I grew up in a in a city of about 100,000. And even in that community in the Midwest, people took care of each other, and they met with each other, they they congregated on the front porch, and they knew each other well, and they, you know, when someone had a need, it was not an, an unrealistic thing to have other people help them. So we're trying to repent and turn back to that way of living, to actually caring for other people, and it's been a long time that we've got headed in the wrong direction. We've turned from what was a good thing. And now we're on this road where, or on this ship path that is leading to trouble, and we're, we're becoming ill-prepared for the future that we've got. So in an act of repentance, sometimes it takes a while. Our con- in our congregation alone and in others, it takes a bit to for us to change our mind, to be really thinking about other people first. What can I do for you? What kind of need do you have that I can address? So it, it's, uh, I would just encourage everyone to just keep going at it. Uh, it, it takes a while for us to re- do that repentance and to turn around from what we've been doing. We're so ingrained in all of us, but it's a matter of keeping at it and just keeping going until that compass starts to read that we're going in the right direction. And it's a behavior change. It's not an easy thing overnight. Oh, he's handing it back to me. <laughs> he gave me a little break here. Where I'm always multitasking. While he was doing that, I was getting ready for this afternoon. We prepared uh, a number of slides uh, in a kind of a PowerPoint display, and uh, I've been working on it for months and months, and I keep restarting. Uh, much of what I've already done we will probably use in videos to give you a more detailed picture of the way we see the kingdom. But over the last month, I've been getting a lot of input already on this trip, uh, talking with uh, Rick in California and uh, uh, Tom in Wyoming and now Dan here in Colorado. Um, I keep, it keeps honing what I need to say, and I probably won't know till the last minute, which is the way I usually do things, because the kingdom's in the moment. It's uh, There is preparation. There are things to do. It took 30, 40 years of study to get to the point where I can even speak about these things in the way I can speak. But the actual speaking must be in the moment because it is imparting that spirit that has been given to me freely, freely to others. And that's why we don't have an admission charge. But there is a charge in coming and hearing about the kingdom because it will cost you your delusions. It will cost you your, the deceptions that are binding you down to a world that is headed for destruction. Now, God doesn't want to destroy the world. God doesn't want to destroy people. He wants you to live. He is a giver of life. But it is us turning our backs on him. It is Adam and Eve fleeing the garden because they flee, fled the truth of their own iniquity, of their own error, of their own turning their back on God and his wisdom to do their own thing. And, you know, we, we're told all the time in the world today, do your own thing, and you're catered to uh, for your covetousness and, 
and trying to get you to want more and more things to make you happy until you think that that's the only way you can be happy is to have more and more things. Contentment comes from inside. It is cultivated in your heart. It is rooted in your soul. And by the same token, the evil wants to grow something else there instead of that tree of life. So he plants in you things like anger and resentment and impatience. If you see yourself being impatient, if you see yourself being angry, even at the world and the evil in the world, you are being dragged into a place where you will find no contentment. You will find no peace. Because the evil is growing up in your heart in such a way that you cannot give the nourishment to the tree of life and the attention to the tree of life that you need to do. It's kind of like that bramble bush that uh, surrounded the ca castle where Sleeping Beauty lay. You know, many of these ancient fairy tales are telling something that's going on. In, in the Bible, the one book that mentions a woman more than any other book is uh, Proverbs. Uh, but the woman is wisdom. The woman is this uh, precious, more precious than a ruby uh, thing that we need to marry in our hearts, in our minds. And that is this concept of the bride of Christ. We need to be that bride of Christ. We need to, but right now it's asleep. In many of the churches, in many of the congregations, even in synagogues and mosques, there are Christians waiting to wake up. They don't even know they're Christians. They don't even, uh, they've, they've got all these other labels of Allah and Yahweh and uh, religious trappings covering over who they really are. And we're not these outside garments that we put on, these outside appearances. You, you don't get to the kingdom by doing things uh, outside yourself and conjuring up the Holy Spirit. You do it by letting go of the physical and the uh, outside things and allowing that character of Christ to be born in you in the way of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean you can just go out and do anything you want. We are given guidelines in the Bible and uh, in ancient writings. You will actually find these same guidelines uh many of the same metaphors and teachings that uh, Christ taught, Buddha also taught 400 years before. But are Buddhists doing what Christ said? Or are they doing what other Buddhists said? Are Christians doing what Christ said? Or are they doing what people posing as Christians said to do? That you have to do this and you have to do that. It's other people imposing rather than being born in you, the spiritual change that allows you to easily, without conflict, be patient, be loving, so that people can't even upset you with a stick. You can't be angry at your loved ones. You can't be angry at your enemies. You let God's anger decide and judge the day. You are just a conduit of whatever he said. If you are carried away by your anger, if you lose your temper, you're not rooted in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think they want to go back and get rooted in the Holy Spirit again because I got angry. But, but what they're often doing is just frosting over their anger until it subsides. But there's still that infected wound, and it just pops up again later on. Comes up again later on. Because they've never healed the problem. They've dealt with the symptom. Symptom is I'm yelling and screaming symptom is I'm shouting and pushing my weight around. It is the, the symptom is I'm nagging and, and whining. Whatever it is, there's lots of different symptoms of the fact that the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in you. You can't be made angry if they nailed you to a cross if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. You will still be forgiving your enemy hanging on a cross if the Holy Spirit is in you. So many people are angry and nobody's even really done anything to them. Maybe tax them a little bit and they're all upset. 
you know, I hear, and, and they try to justify it. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And uh, anybody who's listing off all the bad things that the world is doing, the world system is doing, that immediately is suspicious to me. There, there may be a reason to list those things off. But why aren't they listing off the bad things that they're doing, at least in their own life? And why are they, why do they sound so angry about it? They are, they are still being swept away by this illusion that somehow or other we can fix it. We can't fix it. It's beyond our power to fix it. What we can do is repent, stop being a part of it. And the best way to do that is to come together to help others not be a part of it. To find the widows and orphans that are seeking to be a part of the kingdom and help them find other brothers that are seeking to be a part of the kingdom. And I'm not saying others that are just seeking to get out of the system. I'm saying those seeking to be a part of the kingdom, those seeking to be like Christ, who no longer want to be angry and impatient and opposing and, and ranting and raving, but really want the peace of Christ. That blessed assurance of Christ. They don't have to put on the airs of modern religion. They don't need to be on a pedestal. They, you know, I actually wanted to, you know, if a large crowd shows up here in Greeley, I actually wanted to walk down amongst the crowd and speak. But the cameraman says, no, I got to stay right there behind the podium. <laughs> can't move. I think they're going to crazy glue my shoes to the floor so that I don't move around. <laughs> so I'm I'm a humble servant who will stay there, <laughs> but I will mingle with the crowd when I can. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, is that we need to come together as a people rooted and bound by love of one another and love of the character of Christ, not the love of some religious doctrine or something that we have have believed or created in our own minds that have given us a comfort because it's a false comfort. You do not put on Christ like you put on a Pharisee's robe. It doesn't fool God one bit. And your fruits will show it. You will rant and rave and become angry and abusive and selfish and and hurtful. You will be slothful, negligent. You will say, yeah, I will do it, and then you won't do it. If you're, if you're one of those, Christ is not living in you. Because if Christ said he would do it, it would get done. He knows that. He talks about that. That's a whole story about that with a man of faith, a Roman man of faith. I know it will get done because they say they will do it. He, he has another parable about the son who says, yeah, I will do it, but he doesn't go and do it. And the son who says he wasn't going to do it, but then repented and went and did it. Which one was the true son? Well, it's simple. Those who did it. So these are, these are signs that Christ is not living in us and we should fall down and weep and cry and then get up and start doing it. You know, st stop making a big deal out of the fact that you're a sinner. You're a sinner. Get it? Write it down. Okay? Now, are you going to start bearing fruit? You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. 
to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? You are listening to the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network. We do not have freedom of speech because the Constitution gives it to us. The Constitutional Amendment was written to keep the government from taking our freedom away. The Creator gave us our rights, but He also gives us the capacity to do evil or usurp the rights of others. Our individual rights end where the rights of another begin. No one has the right to do evil because evil can never be right. Those who would seek to limit your right to speak or hear the truth are the same who seek to subjugate, control, and enslave you. Freedom is not free. Support the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network by going to FirstAmendmentRadio.com on the Internet and following the instructions there to support us. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're going to have another talk show today after the show. Uh, if you want to know about it, you have to get on the network because that's where we announce it. So you have to go to hisholychurch.org and find out. Uh, the show will, the discussion will be specifically about this tour. I sent out another uh, article to newsthevues.com. Uh, they were asking one before I left it on the trip, and unfortunately I had to send it out after I'm already on the first stop uh, because we're trying to do a million things here. But we're trying to do them for others that are seeking the kingdom, for others that are seeking the ways of the kingdom. And America has strayed from that. Australia, Germany, Canada, all over the world, uh, false Christianity has been preached. Christianity, uh, an easy Christianity, a seductive Christianity, one that makes you think that you're saved simply because you mumble a few words, because you accept a, a vague idea of an image of Christ. You know, people think that idolatry is building a, a stone idol or a wood idol. It's actually making anything uh, by man, anything made by man rather than by God is and, and look to is, is idolatry. Uh, we to, are to look to God, eat of the tree of life, uh, walk with the Lord in the ways of the Lord. But what we do is we create things because we do have the character of God and having that creative ability. And then we fall down and worship those things. And one of the things that we create is an image of God. We don't just create that with stone and wood. We create it with words. We describe God is like this. God is like that. And maybe he is. But it is the description that we are worshiping and not God himself because 
you don't find God in the description. You don't find God in an image or graven or otherwise. You find God in your heart when he writes in your heart and in your mind his will for you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't study the Bible and, and study and listen to what other people have to say. But what happens is that we create an image of Christ that is false, that is a lie, that is a deception. And we need to uh, see the true Christ. And that is not an intellectual thing. That is a spiritual reality. To know Christ spiritually is to have that relationship with him. Now, many people say, oh, that's it. I have a relationship with Christ. I accepted Christ, and I have a relationship with him. He changed me. Maybe he began to change you, but then when you weren't immediately satisfied, you began to construct an idea that Christ is this or that or the other thing. And you want to believe that that's still Christ. But maybe that's this emotional Christ that you created to comfort you. Because Christ doesn't come on your command. The Holy Spirit lifteth where it wills. And the Holy Spirit tests us. Will we remain faithful to that Spirit? You know, did the prodigal son come part way back? The father run out and meet him and, and hugged him and everything. And he says... Uh, you know, here's the fatty calf, got a good meal in him, and then went back to the pig mire. Well, that's what most people do. You know, that they don't persevere unto the end. That's an important thing, you know. Christ didn't say, those who accept me one time and that's it. He talks about those who persevere until the end. He, he warns about sowing the seeds, and so the seed came and it sprouted. Yeah, you you had a relationship with Christ and you came alive and you began to grow. But then you were choked out by the weeds. Oh, does that interfere with your doctrine that you can receive Christ and then be choked out by the weeds? To have Christ sown in you and then be choked out by the weeds? That's what he's saying. That's what that parable is saying. And that the birds can eat it up. That you dry and wither because you're not rooted in good soil. Well, if you're rooted in most churches, you're not rooted in good soil because most churches aren't preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And they'll have you going this way and that way and all over the place, but they won't have you going anywhere near the kingdom. If you need your daily bread, you know where they're going to send you. They're not going to cast their bread on the water. They're not going to feed you. They're going to say, hey, go to the benefactors who exercise authority. Make a covenant with them and sell your, the rights to your children and the rights to your inheritance to them. And they'll give you your daily bread. That's what they're saying. Why, how could they say that? I mean, when I heard those kinds of things, when my eight-year-old heard those kinds of things, he said, that doesn't seem right. But that's what they do. And yet they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ. They're not. They're fooling themselves. And unfortunately, they're also fooling you. Repent. Start taking care of one another completely. In pure religion. Unspotted by the world. The world meaning the constitutional order or system of government. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. That there are those four different words, five different words that are in the Bible that can be translated world they don't realize what that word really means. They think it meant the planet. No, it doesn't mean the planet. At that time, that word meant at, uh, the discipline of the army and next, the order constitution of a state. The ordered constitution of a state. That's what that Greek word meant. It's uh, it's something that we just don't understand, and we should because it is the definition. It isn't a secret. It is the way. It is what uh, that word meant at the time. The word cosmos in the Greek at the time it meant the discipline of an army, and next the ordered constitution of a state. 
It originally had to do with this camiso, which had to do with, you know, troops marching in a line. It's defined even in a concordance as an act and a harmonious arrangement or constitution, order, or government. It's not the planet. That's when Jesus says, my kingdom's not of your world, he's talking to Pontius Pilate. It's not a part of your constitutional order or government. That's a simple concept. All your preachers should know that. Anybody who goes and studies Greeks comes across this somewhere along the line. Didn't it stick? Christ preached a kingdom that was not a part of the constitutional orders of government. So, okay, pure religion is taking care of the needy of your society without that constitutional order or government. Why? Because that government operates with a sword or operates by force. When it becomes your benefactor and gives you your entitlements and benefits by forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, it and you sin against the ways of God. You have entered into the realm of the foolishness of Saul and your kingdom will not stand. It will fall. And when it falls, you will fall with it into the pit. So what you have is an opportunity as we're traveling around the country to drive a few miles and meet with us and try to find others that are beginning to wake up to this. It's not very many people. But when you wake up and work with others, as these people on the tour have, uh, have begun to discover more and more people may come to the reality and understanding that the kingdom of God is at hand within your reach and that you should be striving for it and the righteousness of God and developing the society is, that is not dependent on the benefactors who exercise authority because it is the unrighteous mammon that will fail that's right it will fail and when it does, are you going to be ready for a more righteous habitation? We don't say, build it and they will come. We say, you build it, you'll be there already. Now, yes, if we build it, some will come later. But if they don't come in spirit and truth, we will be like they will be to us like the foolish virgins. And the door will be shut. Like those who come to Noah when the the trial comes. I shared a couple of videos. Uh, one, probably the WMV video, you probably shouldn't try to download. It's too big for most people. Um, but it, uh, we shared another one that talks about the earthquakes and volcanoes increasing all around the world. Why are they increasing? Solar max. And we're not there yet. But uh, we have a video that we're traveling with. If people want to see it, we'll share that with them. It talks about things to come. We wrote an article about it 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now, almost a dozen years ago, 1998, uh, explaining what was going to be happening and how it works, the mechanics. And very few people will understand it today. We don't preach it out on the radio because it's too scary. And then we'll get all these fear mongers, all these frightened people coming, and they'll get in the way of the true believers who don't come because they want to save themselves, because come because they love Christ and want to save others because Christ is in them. We're not looking for fish, certainly not stinky dead fish. We're looking for fishermen who are looking to, you know, be the fishermen of Christ. We're looking for the good shepherds who are willing to come to serve, not be served, or held up on a pedestal, or praised, or glorified. We want to see your sleeves rolled up from a distance, because you're coming ready to work. And if that's what you have in your heart, come, join with us, walk with us. You can't belong to His Holy Church. You can only belong to Christ. We're not starting another denomination. We're seeking to conform to Christ. Are you seeking to conform to Christ? Do you want to be a part of his kingdom? 
one of you know we have all kinds of difficulties right now that we deal with and overcome and strive you know because it's a big grinding wheel and we put our shoulder to it and to the plow but the reality is uh when if we start getting bigger and bigger there'll be a secondary problem and temptation all the people who want to creep in and bring in their damnable heresies <laughs> and it start and you'll see it they'll start imposing on it well you got to believe it this way got to believe it that way it's simple love god love thy neighbor as thyself who's god the giver of life the creator of life the, the the giver of the blessings of life. That's it. You don't have to go through all kinds of other things, but, I mean, you can add to it, But because uh, uh, there's a lot of description that could be true and relevant. But we're not trying to get people to believe in theologies and doctrines of men. You know, that's why our doctrine is Christ's words only. Period. Now, we'll talk about Christ's words, but the doctrine we spread is not our doctrines about his doctrine, it's his doctrine, period. It's not going to be second hand or remote. We're here to propagate his doctrine. So yeah, we have our preaching and teaching, you can call those doctrines, but their only purpose is to propagate his doctrine. So if it's his doctrine, he said it. If he didn't say it, well, it's not that important to us. We may look at it, we may study it, we may ponder it, but it isn't what we come to preach. We come to preach his doctrines and to propagate them. Propagate them not just in your head and your ears, but in your hearts and in the ways that you live. This is It's a real very simple concept of the kingdom, of loving God and loving your neighbor, but then how do you do that? How do you make that happen? Uh, what is the secret to all that? Are you practicing pure religion? I don't know hardly anybody who even knows what pure religion is, much less practicing it. So anyway, after we finish in Greeley, we're going to be going on to Hastings, and then we're going to go on to Colorado, and then we're going to head down to somewhere in Missouri. I have even lost track of where that is. We had one minister, uh, uh, Bob Harmon, who... Uh, passed away and uh, but still someone wants to have the meeting in that area and so other people are arranging it and I, I, I don't even know we have the information up quite right but that's the beauty of a network is you can get a hold of anybody in the network and they can find out so wherever you're at somebody can find out uh, we've had a number of contact ministers who didn't bother much to keep contact with the other contact ministers. As a matter of fact, some were there for almost six months and nobody even heard from them. And we simply removed them because they're not doing what that job title describes. It's not a position of authority over men, but it is a position of authority in the sense that it's authority over a responsibility. And your responsibility is not only to connect the people in your local group, but to connect them with the wider group. That's kingdom thinking instead of church thinking. We had a discussion the other day that if you're in England, it's basically church or congregation, you know, the church being the big outfit and the congregation being the little outfit. Which one do you focus on, the congregation or the church? And this was a big conflict. I mean, men were sent to the guillotines, uh, and not guillotines, but at least to the chopping blocks uh, in England because of that conflict or burned at the stake. But the reality is, is it's neither and both yes there is church yes there is congregation but when you think about and care about your congregation as much as yourself that's congregationalism when you true congregation pure congregationalism when you think when your congregation thinks about the other congregations in a network as much as they think about themselves that's church not centralized church, networking church. Okay, when the church and the ministers and the congregations and all these people gather together and think about the whole of the network of God as much as they think about themselves, 
that's kingdom because the kingdom belongs to God and God thinks about the whole so there as well as the individual so therefore by that nature that nature should be in us because his character is written in our hearts and our minds his name is on our heart his character is on our heart it's simple it's not the the blabber that comes out of your mouth but the way that comes out of your life which will include what comes out of your mouth but that's just one aspect of the rituals and ceremonies of the king is to get it right to get that character of God right in your day to day actions so anyway that's uh, after we're done in Omaha, Missouri, then we'll be heading down to Texas, and we'll be in Fort Worth, we'll be in Dallas, I guess, and uh, Austin, and Waco, and uh, a number of other places. Uh, uh, we may be in Tyler, and then we're headed down uh, to Mississippi, uh, to Moss Point, and then I think we have something in... Uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but we may be putting together a meeting uh, across uh, the border in uh, Mobile, Alabama. If you're in the Mobile area, uh, get a hold of the network and we'll set something up. Uh, the uh, guys in Colorado here have done a lot of work, and in Omaha they've done a lot of work, but there's a lot of work to be done still as we get across into Anderson and Waynesville and uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, I think we, we could put something together in Atlanta, Georgia, if there's enough of you listening. If you know anybody in the Atlanta area that might be interested, start getting a hold of the network. It's not just sitting there listening to the radio. It's actually connecting with people. We can't help you when bad things happen if all we got is your email. We can help you if we are part of a network all over this country. Uh, and if you're not willing to help build the network, we're probably not interested in helping you much because if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't set the table, you don't get to sit at the table. That's the way it is. We're all servants, but we're sitting at a servant's table when it comes to eating. Okay, then we're going up to uh, Virginia. Uh, there's a meeting somewhere there, Vicksburg, I think it is, or something like that uh, find out it's on um, hisholychurch.org slash tour uh, New Jersey uh, Worcester uh, Massachusetts uh, over in Boston that'll be Easter uh, for a lot of you people and uh, we'll get a hold of Paul and George uh, in that area then we'll be going towards Pennsylvania uh We'll be putting together something there with Phyllis and Alex. Uh, then on to Indiana, and I can't even remember everybody. Uh, Brian will be there from Michigan. If we were going to set up something in Michigan, but the Michigan people have been a little bit lax, so we're probably going to stay down in Indiana. We may have time to move around, but you certainly are welcome to come down from Michigan and meet with us. We would have toured all over Michigan if people would have made a little more noise. But everybody gets preoccupied, but that doesn't work in the kingdom. You need to be occupied as much with others as you are with yourself. You need a kingdom network. There's coming a time where there will be forced evacuations of whole areas of America. Uh, and you may be in those. There will also be, you know, serious problems with keeping order in, in different areas. You're going to need a backup plan, and the backup plan is the kingdom. That means you need to be networking with others who know, well, don't come there and say, well, three years ago I was on an email group with you and nobody's ever heard of you. That puts you in the category of a foolish virgin. You're not even going to be knocking on the door because nobody's going to tell you where the door is at. You need to become involved in the lives of others now so that we know that you're the kind of person we want to let in. But then we're on to uh, go through Indiana and Illinois and up into Wisconsin. Uh, Paul Bethke needs a lot of help up there. Some people can't quite get the kingdom. They think the kingdom is being uh, it's kind of an outgrowth of uh, 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 
what do they call that, uh, prosperity gospel. You know, the kingdom is coming together and thinking kingdom thoughts and being real successful in business. Well, you certainly can be successful in business and be thinking kingdom, but if you're not thinking networking and finding others and bringing others in and actually becoming the social welfare program for others instead of those benefactors who exercise authority, if you're not striving in that direction, you don't know kingdom. You don't know it yet. Now, you may be ready to know kingdom, but that you cannot be coveting your neighbor's goods or thinking that it's okay and passing it off as, well, we'll get to that someday. That's foolish virgin stuff again. But then we'll be heading across uh, to Minneapolis, and we've got a little bit of activity going on in Minneapolis and Minnesota. We've got some people showing interest. That's one of the last major meetings, and then I'll be on to North Dakota. Uh, don't expect a giant meeting in North Dakota. There could be some people coming up there. Uh, be great uh, for some people to try to travel up there and meet with uh, Michael and uh, others, uh, Dennis, so that uh, and we'll spend a little time there. And then I got to head home. It's yeah, it's, a, it's been a tremendous burden to my family to have me away, but it is what God has told me to do, and so therefore I must be about my father's business and hope that everybody can handle it back there. Um, but we're doing this to jumpstart the kingdom in the hearts of many people. I have seen the power of a few people that are doers in what they can do and what they can accomplish. Well, with a few more, we can accomplish ten times that. And we're going to need to. And we need to build that net. We're looking for those fishermen to build that network so that as more people begin to realize how bad the world is off, we can have that alternative growing in our midst as individuals and as communities so that the kingdom of God will be at hand for more and more. It's not for the slothful. It's not for the angry. It's not unreliable. It's not for the uh, uh, false do-gooder who wants to appear to be a do-gooder. It's for the diligent. Until we meet again, maybe You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.